everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Industrious Podcast. Thank you for joining us from wherever you get your podcasts. And for those of you who are kind enough to watch us on the Assessor YouTube channel, thank you all for doing so. We greatly appreciate that. Uh, today we are joined once again by Brooke Crosley of Crosley Inc. And we will be talking about what it means to be better. Uh, in many cases, it's, it's not necessarily about being better or getting better. It's really about managing yourself. So stay tuned for all that Brooke has to share on this episode, and thanks again for watching. Also, if you happen to be watching on the Assessor YouTube channel and you've not hit that subscription button or the notification bell icon, shame on you. Please do so now. It will take one second, and then it is absolutely free, so please do that. We appreciate it. I never, one of the things I wanted to get away from was, I don't know, I just want to walk in and say, okay, what's, tell me what's going on, and then develop a plan from there, mm -hmm. and decide together what better is. I don't know what better is for you. It's different for everybody, and there, there's not, I don't think there's a single path to getting there. I think it depends on your people. I think it depends on your business. I think it depends on you. I think it, I mean... There's so many different ways to go about it. So I am not big on programs. I don't have any kind of canned package thing that I do. So how, how would you differentiate, uh, and Vince asked this, I'm gonna ask a little bit differently. How would you differentiate the idea of going into a client with this idea of, of being better? Mm -hmm. Uh, versus going into a client who's having some sort of issue, organizational issue, uh, as we talked earlier in a prior episode, um, where they're stuck. Mm -hmm. What's the difference? It's minuscule, the difference. I think sometimes people can't see being better if they're stuck. I just, I don't want to feel like this anymore. I don't want it to be like this anymore. I don't want to have another quarter that looks like this. They can't even imagine that it could be better. They just want something different than what they have. So I think a lot of times it's having people in the right mindset to even talk about being better. And it's even asking them, so would this be better? <laughs> it's like when you go to the eye doctor and they put the, you know, the lenses on, it's like, is this better or this better? This or this, which is better? It's sort of helping them design it themselves. Like I said, I, my favorite quote, help people draw their own conclusions because they will not argue with them later, you know? If I say, you know, Joe, you and I came up with this plan when I don't like it. Well, you and I came up with it. Yeah, you're right. It's not something I did to you. It's something we developed together. So then, so asking for a friend, <laughs> uh, <laughs> say things are, things are firing on all cylinders. I mean, you know, we always say you're never going to bat a thousand, but mm -hmm. you're sure as hell going to try. Mm -hmm. So let's say things are firing on all cylinders. Things are going great. You know, last quarter was amazing. The quarter before that, your strategic plan is falling into place. And then someone says, but I want to be better. Mm -hmm. Why? And how, do, how do you recognize, <laughs> well, you don't need to be better. Things are going great. Whatever you're mm -hmm. doing, whatever sauce you're mixing up, keep doing that. Right. How do you coach to that? 
I think it's um, why. What would better look like? And it's really, to me, in that situation, it's kind of like, what are you afraid of if you don't keep getting better? Because I have that disease. Fear of failure. Yeah, I have that disease. Well, if I change anything, even the stuff that I don't like or the things that don't feel good, maybe that's my, maybe that's the thing, though. And if I give up that thing, well, shit. <laughs> like, what am I then, right? Because right. I'm, I'm a worker bee. I like to work. And so it's like... Well, if I didn't work until eight o'clock every Monday night, because I really don't like working every night, you know, every Monday till eight o'clock, but my whole business might fall apart, you know, so better for me would be, can I look at my business and myself and the value I bring differently than, well, really, Brooke, the only reason you have a successful business is because you work until eight o'clock every Monday night. That, that's so ridiculous when I just said that back to you. Right. Sometimes my job is just to sit back and repeat back to you and you go, well, <laughs> That's dumb. And I'm like, well, yeah, but you said yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's a core. I mean, most of the things that scare us or that make us uncomfortable aren't rational or logical. I mean, when you really get down to it, it's like, well, I think my whole business is going to fall apart if I don't go into the office on a Saturday morning. The whole thing could just unravel and fall apart. And there, I mean, we all have those like illogical, crazy things that go through our heads. And so to me, be better is what if we thought that less? Would that be better? Be like, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's anti-ego to, mm -hmm. to believe that we're all replaceable mm -hmm. and that things will, I mean, unless you are truly a single shingle, the business and, and the life around that business will mm -hmm. go on if you aren't there. Even if you are. So I'm a single shingle. If I closed down today and my clients, if I didn't work with anybody, they'd find somebody else. Well, true, true. For your business. Yes. I mean, the, the real anti-ego, though, is if you're in a business where you've got an organizational structure and you mm -hmm. say, okay, now you remove yourself from that. Yeah. Will the business truly crumble like a house of cards? Probably not. And that's good. Well, that's great. That means that you've truly created a successful business. Yes. And like I when think you don't have to be there is actually a, a that's healthy. badge of honor, not a black mark. Right. And I think logically, people that own businesses or run businesses know that emotionally. It's like, hmm. It's kind of like when your kids grow up. My son's 21. He doesn't need me for much of anything anymore. That's hard. Bartab. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I did, get, I did get the text yesterday. I'm going to Nashville this week. Um, but part of me knows, like, I raised a, a healthy, functioning young man. That's good, right? It sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I want him to call me and say, Mom, what do I do? Blah, blah, blah. Mom, I need you. Blah, blah, blah. But it's probably not going to happen. So it's the same. It's the same well, thing. Well, but maybe it's just phrased differently. Now we're, now we're going to come down, going down a different path, but maybe it's just phrased differently where he sit, may say, well, he tells you what he's going to do or how he's going to approach something, and you're like, mm, no, that's, that's not the right. And that's where you can interject yourself if yeah. you want. Yeah. Or if you think he'll listen. Another good friend, another great piece of advice. Um, he said it saved his marriage. Uh, he said whenever his name's, wife's name's Barb, whenever Barb comes home and starts talking to me, I'll time her out and say, do you want me to fix or do you want me just to listen? And so I started saying that with Jack. Like, am I just listening or do you want, uh, do you want mom to like, or mom who owns a business to interject? And, you, you know, usually he'll tell me. 
Right. Oh, yeah. Such a good question, though, because it's. I, I use that. There's a well. There's a, a now retired uh, family therapist in Indianapolis. His name was Terry Daniel. I know Terry Daniel. And he did. He used to do always really good presentation of the the. I, I'm blanking on the name of the book. This is where I need another friend of a uh, mutual friend of ours, Mike Donahue, who has the the sharpest memory ever. Yes. Um, <laughs> but the the book talks about the the line of accountability being yep. below the line or above, above the line. line. And Terry Daniel did a fantastic presentation around this. But he would he that was his. Like one of the key takeaways I took from one of his presentations was just ask, do you want me to respond or just to stay quiet and listen? Yep. And now I'm like, I've been married to you for almost 20 years and I still don't know which one I'm supposed to do. So I'm just going to ask. <laughs> yeah. at least, I've at least gotten smart enough to ask. <clears throat> it's, a magical, a it's a magical question. And it, it's another ego thing, right? Because, I mean, I'm a fixer by nature. I want to fix. I want everybody to be happy and whole and healthy and all the things. And so I go into, especially with my kid, well, let me, he's like, oh, mom, I'm like, oh, mm, mm, okay, sorry. Yeah. But I, I mean, it's hard with clients too, because I want to fix. Sometimes I want to take people and just shake them. Like it's not that hard, you know, Yeah. but you can't, yeah. I wouldn't recommend that you do that. Well, yeah. And I have not done that <laughs> just for the record, but I mean, you can do it once. <laughs> Maybe, Maybe. <laughs> depending on the relationship. <laughs> right. I got to imagine we were talking about being better and, and there are some people who say they want to be better and you're like, what, what, what does that mean? I mean, things are pretty good. Like mm -hmm. how, how can you be better than that? I would imagine though that a lot of people you deal with are, um, high achievers, mm -hmm. probably not all, but many competitive. Yes. Um, and whatever drove them to be competitive, whether it was just, just in their nature or it was a process of their growing up, um, there's a fear of failure because that's losing, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> or at least in their mindset. Mm -hmm. And this never, never satisfied sort of thing. So mm -hmm. they could achieve this goal. And there are, you know, some people are like, okay, we're cool. We achieved that goal. We're good. But then there's some who, who say, well, okay, got to raise the bar to the next one now. Yep. Um, and it's a never ending process. Yes. Some people I know fall into that trap all the time, <laughs> like daily. Yes. So how do you, how do you work with them on, on when they say I, I need to I be don't. better? It's a lost cause. I'm yeah. just kidding. It's okay. a joke. All right. Um, That's it folks. <laughs> that was the perfect answer. That was great. I like that. I'm glad. Um, well, I think, you know, when you are heading up an organization, I like to ask a question like, but so that's you. How does that help everybody? So it's how do we help the many and not just the few, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's also, I don't know, that is a hard, it's those people are hard. I am one of those people. Um, and I think it's like, it's kind of, you know, we, women you hear all the time, like, I'll be happy when I lose five more pounds. I'll be happy when it's like, no, you've got to figure out how to be happy now. And that can be, and content, um, and satisfied. And satisfied is, does not equal complacence. Yeah. And I think that's a big, that's a big conversation. Like right. you can be satisfied and not complacent. And so it's, so Vince, let's say, you know, everything is great, but next year at this time you want this. First of all, let's talk about why. And what does that mean? And why is that best for everybody? Because you are responsible for a lot of people. And then what if you don't get there? What if you do get there? T 
talk to me about what life looks like, how you feel, what you're thinking, what's different than now. Right. Sometimes it's just, that's just the way you're wired. Some people are just wired that way. And it's, it's not so much changing it, it's managing it yep. to me. It's all about management. Our personalities, what, what makes us tick, it's all about managing it. Um, it's hard. It's hard being a grown-up. <laughs> it is. It's let me know. I'll, well, when I get there, I'll <laughs> let you know. My wife still says I'm like 17. But. So to, to change the terms a little bit, and I'm, I'm digging this out of the past because you came and spoke to a peer group that I am in at one time. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the discussion was keyed in on people's strengths. Mm-hmm. What, not at an organizational level necessarily, although that certainly applies, right. but at a personal level, what people bring to their work life, their personal life, again, how they're wired. Mm -hmm. and, the, and if they're able to determine what their strengths are and leverage those, mm -hmm. the better they will be in whatever it is they're doing. Yes. However, mm -hmm. there's a blind spot. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm just changing, kind of changing the terms of your answer you just gave. Um, how, where, where in your profession, in your, you know, in, in, in your expert opinion, mm -hmm. where, where do you find that tipping point to say, okay, hey, people, that little voice that's telling you you're doing great, but you're about to cross the line mm -hmm. and almost, you know, self destruct. Yep. Um, kind of tying back to it's okay to be satisfied or happy at a certain point. That doesn't mean you're complacent, mm -hmm. which I think hit the nail on the head for a different conversation. Hmm. Where's that that point between strength and blind spot that the strength essentially is working against you? Um, I think when people stop following you, when you stop inspiring people, when people look at you and go, Jesus, Joe, what the hell's going on? Right? Um, I think all of us know at our core when we're not in a good spot. But I really think it's, especially when you're part of an organization, part of a team, it's when people when you find yourself alone, people aren't following you. People don't want to hear what you have to say. People aren't listening. Um, and when somebody tells you, this is why relationships are so important at work and especially, but you need somebody to pull you aside and goes, what is wrong with you? You're acting like a jackass. Quit doing whatever you're doing. What is going on? You need somebody who's willing to do that. And sadly, my experience is in the workplace, a lot of people do not have that level of relationship and that's why they get in trouble and they have, you know, relationship damaging behavior and work career damaging behavior because nobody wants to pull them aside and say, you know, I'd rather go talk to Vince about how Joe's behaving than go talk to Joe. Triangulation. Yes, which is stupid. It's yeah. Playground stuff. You need someone when you try to when you go to zero to ten. You need someone to come up and say, "You had me zero to eight. We were all on board. Mm -hmm. You lost us at nine and ten. Let's right. dial it back." Right. And talk about being uncomfortable and being better. You know, sometimes being better is how do I be better for other people? So I, I would wager that a large percentage of my business is helping people be better for other people. They're great people, but they're not willing to. You know what? <clears throat> Sue, you should probably go tell Joe what you just told me about how he showed up in that meeting. Oh, well, I can't talk to Joe about it. Well, then you shouldn't talk about it at all. If I don't have enough guts to talk to you about something that you did that was didn't come off great or that hurt my feelings or made me look bad, 
then it's probably not worth talking about. So it's kind of a rule when I work with groups is if you're not willing to say it in here, it better not be said out there. Yeah. Because this is the practice field. This is where we get to make mistakes, where we get to fumble the ball, where we get to not know how to say something, but know it needs to be said. All that cool stuff gets to happen in here. If it makes its way out there and you've not said it in here, we're going to have a problem. Mm -hmm. Sounds like you've said that a lot. I have. Because I'm imagining most clients when they come to you have some sort of predetermined thought that they're, they want, they want to talk to you about to be better Mm -hmm. in some capacity. Yes. Yeah. And it's usually (laughs) funny. It's really not me be better. It's how do I make Vince be better? Like everything's great for me, but man, things would be really great (laughs) if Vince would pull his head out and like get his stuff together. You have a bigger notebook. (laughs) Starting thoughts. As the younger brother, <laughs> that cost. I think I, I think I, I think I hit a nerve. <laughs> or it's all good. But people, it's interesting. One of the reasons I started doing leadership stuff at all was that people would bring me in for sales training or sales coaching, and at one point it would become evident that the person that brought me in was the problem. <laughs> like, mm. oh. So I can give you all the tools, we can work on behaviors, we can plan, we can strategize all the things, but eventually it gets to whoever the leader is and how they think, how they behave. And so I thought, well, I need to be able to get to those people because I can only do so much. There's a ceiling on this if I don't get to that person. So I started doing leadership stuff. So I'm like, can I talk to you for a second about some things I think we could work on that would make all of them better? Yeah. Um, so a lot of times be better is under the guise of I'd like to be better, but really it's, can you fix everybody else so I don't have to do the work, so I don't have to be uncomfortable. Right, so the leadership exercises you were just kind of referencing, Mm -hmm. any particular ones that you use often, that you see repeated at numerous places that seem to have the the best traction, if you will. Um, It's kind of the above the line, below the line thing. You know, people wanna control everything, everything. And really all you can control is you. I mean, it really is it. So I will just keep asking the question, but what could you do? Well, if Vince would blah, 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 and Joe would blah, 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 mm-hmm, but what could you do? I mean, that really, just asking that one question, right. and it's obnoxious as hell, and people get really testy with it. I didn't bring you in here to talk about I want to figure out how to blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, you don't have control over those people. You have control over you. And how you chose to show up didn't work. So we're going to talk about that. I'm... <laughs> Talk about uncomfortable. I had to get really comfortable with just like n- silence and people like, <laughs> you know, gritting their teeth and twitching at me. Right. It's like, look, I'm, this is what you brought me in for. I can't do anything about those people. Like, when I work with them, I can. But it's really that simple. Like, what can you do? Mm-hmm. What have you done? What worked? What didn't work? Why do you think it worked? I'm picturing a cartoon and someone saying, I have all these great ideas, but no one will listen to me. <laughs> Like, well, there's a reason for that. <laughs> yes. Yes. Very true. Yep. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Without saying names or where I'll be or whatever, I, c- I can. He's talking I can en- about me. <laughs> no. I can envision. I may witness some of that tomorrow morning. Mm. But anyway. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yes. Um, <laughs> We're not going to timestamp this one. Yeah. <laughs> no. No. Um, <laughs> Lots of calls to the office. Can yeah. I convince this itinerary for tomorrow? <laughs> no. Um, 
This will be after the fact. <laughs> this will, yeah. What, uh, so for those watching or listening to this mm-hmm. episode, um, you know, every, I think not everyone, but most people want to be better in some capacity. Agreed. Um, they are not all your clients, so they don't have the luxury <laughs> right? of sitting in front of you. Are there any little basic things they could that they could work on? I mean, you s- talked about the sitting alone for an hour, mm-hmm. which sounds very simple in theory, but after it's, after five minutes, people are like, "Oh my god, are we there yet?" And it's like, "No, it's only you're only five minutes in." Yep. Um, I think it's really soliciting feedback from people that you trust. Yeah. Um, and giving them permission to tell you all the things. Um, I think it's being willing to be really vulnerable and transparent with somebody that you trust. Um, I mean, you know, there's the no brainer stuff, like watch a Ted talk on how to great leadership, how to like read books, work on yourself, do the work. You know, and it's really deciding, going back to that hour of silence, really going back and deciding what would it look like to be better? In what areas of my life do I want to be better? There's all, you know, there's physical, spiritual, financial, professional, personal, like get really specific about being better. Because I think to your point, people are like, oh yeah, I'm always working on being better. It's like, "Uh uh-huh, specifically, what are you doing? Well, you know, I'm just working on being better. And I don't mean to minimize that. Because it's a way of thinking, which is great. But it's like, so how do you know? <laughs> right. Like, how do you know that you're better? And Mike Donahue's name's come up a few times in this conversation. He's actually my accountability partner. And uh, talk about somebody helping you be better. I, funny story. He asked me to be his accountability partner. And Mike, for those of you who aren't fortunate enough to know him, um, when he asked me, I was so flattered. I was like, yes, I would love to do that. And then I like hung up and was like, oh God, that means I'm gonna have to be accountable. <laughs> it's not just going to breakfast with a guy I like to talk to, you know? Right. Um, but he is really, it's very specific. You know, I was just sitting yesterday in my hour of quiet with my notebook and writing down like my next quarter. And it was very specific, like the physical things that I wanna do and you know, the things with Jack, my son that I wanna do. and. Um, it's really being specific and not making it some huge, some huge thing. I think w- that's the, probably the biggest mistake I see people make is, well, I want to be healthier. Okay, what does that mean? I'm not going to eat any sugar and I'm going to work out seven days a week. It's like, no, oh, okay. What are you going to do on Wednesday when you give up? Because that's a lot, <laughs> right? right? It's not sustainable. It's like, how about just like functional movement? I'm going to park farther away and I'm going to take the stairs whenever possible. Try that. Mm-hmm. Just do that for as long as you can. And then you'll decide, you'll know when it's time to move on to the next level of things. But I think it's just being really specific and giving yourself some grace if it's the smallest thing, but it could be a huge deal to you and it could change the, the world for people around you. I've had <clears throat> clients. I'm like, how about if you just practice not talking in a meeting? How about if you just sit down and say, you know what, you guys, I'm here to listen. I'm not going to say anything. And then you'd actually do that thing. Right. <clears throat> well, that's not going to make any difference to anybody. I'm like, oh, well, mm, let's see. It's amazing. It's, that feels like not a big deal, right? It's a huge deal. So anyway. Have you ever been in a meeting where they tried that 
And how did it go? Like, was everyone <laughs> sitting around the table like looking at it each was other? Very and quiet. Yes, and um, and it's uncomfortable for everybody, and it's awesome because then other people you'll find the leaders in the room. If you mm-hmm. shut up long enough, you'll find other people that will pick up the ball and like do it. Or you'll find somebody who, you know, has a great sense of humor that makes a joke about it and breaks the ice and then everything starts to, to roll. And sometimes it's miserable. And that says a lot. If a meeting can't happen because you're not talking, something is not healthy inside your organization. It says a lot. <coughs> so, yeah, been there, done that. Should make a T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Um, top five be betters. Like, what have you witnessed? Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to be better at demonstrating our culture, our core values. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I have a client that has four core values and they live them out loud, so loud that no one would ever doubt or not know what they are. It's awesome to see. Um, I'm going to give up my, I'm going to be better at feeling like I need to defend myself. That's a big one. Coming from defense is really not a great leadership skill. Um, man, five. The whole not talking as much. Like, I'm going to give other people a chance to participate. I'm going to be better at asking if I should fix or listen. That's, I, that's a life changer. That's a relationship changer. Um, and probably the one that I'm working on all the time is I'm going to be better at my reactivity, my emotional reactivity. I'm going to give it a second and think about it again and decide if it's really as awfulized as I've made it all out to be. Um, I'm just going to insert one of my favorite quotes here. True freedom lies in the pause between stimulus and response. And then so true. S- secondarily, you just said, I'm not going to awfulize. I had that conversation <laughs> with a team member last week and he was venting for a while and mm-hmm. he was, had worked himself up. And I, my response was, you're just doing a lot of awfulizing right now. It's not going to happen that way. Right. And then there's just silence on the other end of the line. <laughs> and then his response was, yeah, you're probably right. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying, give it a chance to play out before mm-hmm. you build up this result or, or, uh, you know, outcome of a conversation you haven't even had yet. Yep. And then thankfully, <laughs> thankfully for me, he had the conversation and it was a pretty good outcome. Good. So I didn't, I didn't have to say, told you so. It wasn't that kind of a moment, but it was a chance to say, boy, like you just, you worked up all this negative angst and all this stomach acid before you even had the conversation Mm -hmm. and let just give both outcomes a chance and then maybe focus on visualize a positive outcome. And and generally when you visualize that they tend to come true. Yeah. Well, I'm something I work on myself and I encourage other people to work on is really think the best of people. People tend to rise to the opinion you have of them. So think the best of people. A lot of the awfulization that happens in my brain is because I have villainized people who I love, <laughs> like think the world of and hang out with. And, and I think, what am I, what am I doing? 
I know that they're not like that and they don't think that way. And what, why am I doing that? So that's really something I'm trying to be better at. Well, that's a good way to, to end this convo. Thank you. Thanks for coming back. Thank you. Appreciate it. it. Feels like I never left. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and thank all you guys for listening to this episode of the Industrious Podcast. Thank you for tuning in from wherever your podcast, or if you guys happen to be watching on the Assessa YouTube channel, thank you for viewing. Don't forget, guys, really think about all the stuff that Brooke shared with us today and always be industrious. <laughs>